Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Beyond the Mat podcast, hosted by Emmanuel Clauser and Jared Rowan. A space for you to transcend your yoga beyond your mat and into your life. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday, and welcome back to Beyond the Mat. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Second to last episode. I know. It's so crazy. Number 19. Yes, number 19. What a full season we've had. Yeah. Yes, we've had some great guests and some great topics. And um, it's always nice, though, to wrap things up in a bow. And I am. I'm tired. Jared's tired, guys. (laughs) It's been a a busy year, but we took a little two-week break. And that was kind of refreshing. I think it gave me the juice to finish strong. And I'm very excited about today's episode, which will come out next week already. So in just six days, that will be out for people to listen to. And our big finale is it's such an exciting moment for us. And yeah, I got the chance to go to New York. I know. You went to the mothership. I sure did. Yeah. Do you want to tell tell the listeners what you did? Yeah. So as you ended and like graduated from your 200 hour Katona teacher training, I started mine. Yeah. So we kind of trade roles or spots as, as students and yeah, I went to the studio in New York and I was there from Monday through Friday and I did the first module with them, which was restorative yoga. And I'll keep this short for the sake of time, but I, Jared will appreciate this. I called him on Tuesday night after the second day and I was like, oh my God, I suck at this. I don't like it. I don't understand. Like people who know me know how linear I am and I like to have a plan and I like to understand how this is going to serve my students and is going to help my teaching. And I didn't. And Jared... Jared told me he was like, tell them the advice I gave you with his material, the Katona material. Best advice ever. Cause I was like, Jared, I don't understand. I don't understand anything. This isn't going to help me. And then he goes, stop trying to have it make sense and just do it for you as a human being in the moment and take it in the best that you can. So I went on the Wednesday And I showed up with that frame of mind and it changed everything. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm in love. I don't really understand, but now I want to understand. And I just couldn't get enough. So it's been very, very great. It was nice to get out of Miami. Um, I had been there for a little too long, if we're being fair. (laughs) It gets, it's a shiny place to be. But then after a while, it's like, okay. Yes. Need something a little different. So that was nice. And I'm planning to go back in May to take a second module. And hopefully you'll join me. So, yeah, I, I got the approval. So Yay! I come for I did the body reading module already, but it's always different every time you do it. So I think I am going to join Emmanuel in May um, to do some body reading, because if Abby's listening, which she's probably not, but. She is. You are reading my body in May. I am manifesting it. I'm making it happen. There you go. Period. Okay. But that's the only update for me because we have a big episode next week and our retreat location will be revealed. 
Yeah. Uh, so we're so excited for that launch um, in two weeks, yeah. uh, right? So um, stay tuned for that one. Yeah, and we have a big episode today too. We actually have a guest. He's been super, super quiet, but we're very excited because along the line of Katona Yoga is a topic that is called secret geometry, which has been super interesting to me over the years. It's something that I've always been intrigued by, but I've never really tapped into. And we brought a good friend of mine that I've had the pleasure to meet through my work here in Miami. And he's also a fellow Canadian from Toronto. Oh my goodness. I know you didn't know, huh? So we have Sean Patrick with us today. Hello, everyone. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. And as we typically do with the guests that we have in our podcast, we're just going to give you the floor so you can introduce yourself to our listeners and tell them who you are and what you do and maybe kind of your backstory with yoga and how you fell into all of the wonderful stuff that you do now. Sure, yeah. So hello, everyone. My name is Sean, Sean Patrick. Emmanuel's right. I'm from Canada. I actually grew up on a farm, but I've lived in Toronto for the last 15 years, and I moved to Miami about two or three years ago. Uh, I do teach yoga with Moto Miami, and I love it, and I'm so grateful to be part of this community down here. Um, Yeah, I'm kind of the nerdy kid. You know, I went to to university for um, psychology, went to business school, spent a bunch of years working in big... uh, consumer packaged goods companies. And I um, then basically realized that I was more interested in yoga than in business. So I kind of shifted paths and, and dove into the yoga path. And then while doing yoga, I went to do a master's degree at U of T and it was in the faculty of philosophy. And I did actually write a paper about sacred geometry in the philosophy degree at U of T. Um, oh, so it was so just, cool. It was like a decade ago, right? Like it was quite a while <laughs> But, um, but yeah, I, I did write on this and, um, and yeah, fascinating stuff, but yeah, I, I've been teaching yoga throughout a bit. I host retreats, um, both in Canada and Costa Rica and who knows where else in the future one day it might expand beyond. Uh, I really love the philosophy side of it, not just the yogic philosophy, but like the Kabbalah, the Hebrew philosophy. Uh, there's so many different kind of roots, uh, of ancient teachings, there's a lot of stuff going on in like the northern Japanese, like all of that samurai type of stuff to in, in, to dive into. Um, the Indian, obviously, with the sutras. But yeah, like Kabbalah, really. Kabbalah is um, is a – it can be known as a Hebrew mysticism, but it is also – there's a universal Kabbalah as well. And that kind of goes beyond any sort of Hebrew specifics. And uh, within that school, sacred geometry is kind of a key component in Kabbalah. It is also just a generic uh, term that we can apply to the way that the universe works. I'm not going to claim to be an expert at any of this. I'm a student of it all. So um, I, I, I have dove in deep into a lot of these topics, as I mentioned, but but um, but there are definitely people that are much more advanced than I am. And if people just you know Google and YouTube sacred geometry, you're going to find a ton of videos about this. Um, A lot of nature uh, follows the rules of sacred geometry, but a lot of our architecture follows the same patterns. So it is a well-known topic, but it's not really a mainstream topic. Okay, so people, we basically know what, well, we don't know what physics is. (laughs) I'm not going to assume that everyone's understanding what physics is. But, um, But just to generalize that, you can think of it you can think of physics as like the study of the physical. You can think about the movement of, of um, items, like let's just say running, like speed, for example, 
gravity, acceleration, magnetism. A good way to look at it is through that movement, that relativity to each other. So there's a lot of math in physics because we're measuring things so much, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so the difference between the physics where we're measuring something relative to something else, where Einstein's theory of re- relativity, he's a physicist, right? That's kind of a, uh, a rule that E equals MC squared. It's all related to energy and gravity. Metaphysics, the word meta is a Greek word. It means beyond. So so this is trying to say beyond the physical. So if we look at physics as something that's relative, something related to something else, metaphysics wouldn't have that relatedness to it. Mm-hmm. So we can calculate, you know, the distance between myself and you, Emmanuel, right? Because there's yeah. two different people here. So I can, I can measure that and that could be used within physics. But if I was alone in a void, it's probably good if we could, I wouldn't mind doing like a brief, like just two minute experience just so people can kind of get their heads wrapped around it. Is that a Yeah, for thing? sure. Yeah. Yeah. Listeners at home, if you could just take a seat, just kind of sit upright, nice and tall, close your eyes. This would be very brief. It's just kind of a way to get your head wrapped around this. So close your eyes and just try to think of uh, your essence, if you will, like a, like a dot, like a laser pointer or a, a speck of light. We'll begin that speck of light right between your eyes, the, the third eye. I'd expect the listeners of this have touched base on chakras before. So imagine yourself a speck of light in your third eye. Just hold that place, right? So this is the perspective that we usually come from, from the human, from the person who sees the physical all around us. But if you were to lift this consciousness, this seat of focus, and lift it up above your head so it is no longer within the human vessel, but above it, separate from it. And then begin to lift it a bit higher so your awareness can can rise up above the earth, up above the clouds, and then up into space. So now that we're above earth, far up, if we wanted to say, let's go for a run, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's a floor beneath us in order to run forward on, right? So how would I know if I'm running? Well, I can still see Earth. I can still see the moon. I can still be able to to recognize where I am in relation to other things. But if we go farther from the moon to Mars, past Jupiter, past Pluto, way the heck out to the nothingness, way into the abyss. You can even think of yourself in an absolute void where there aren't even stars. So if you were out in this complete void with absolutely nothing as far as you can see, and if you tried to move, like what would happen, right? I've already said we're, we're a speck of light, so we don't have limbs. We're just an entity out in the void. If we wanted to move, like how would we know? How would we know that we're moving? There's no air blowing past our hair. We're not able to have traction on anything. So, so how, so, when we're, all, when we're in this position here, it's, it's almost like all of these rules of physics don't really apply anymore. Like a rule of gravity, something holding us down, it doesn't make sense. A rule of acceleration, like an ability to measure anything, is just non-existent. Right? So then when we are all the way out there, the things that we currently know are true, that we can prove through physics, through science, through the scientific method, 
when we're in this void, how can we prove any of that? Okay, so so if we can't really prove, then what is still true? What can we prove is true? And what can we prove is false from this perspective of non-physical? Right? So if you did close your eyes, you can open back up, bring ourselves out of that, and then just think of that topic. What would be true and what would not be true? So metaphysics is actually quite ancient. Like these thoughts were thought by Greek philosophers, by you know Plato, by Pythagoras, Pythagorean theorem, if you guys have heard of that before. Um, ancient Greek philosophers have have gone through these thoughts and dove in deep into these ideas. Uh, there is a whole school called Hermetics or Hermeticism. And there are laws that would be true with or without relativity. Um, and so we can kind of look at, at metaphysics as, as these laws. But like an example of one of these laws is polarity. So there is a... Uh, there is still a masculine and a feminine. This is a concept that doesn't even need polarity. This is an energy. So uh, a duality, a here and a there, an up and a down, an inhale and an exhale, a one and a zero, an on and an off, you know, to, to inhale, to exhale, to be or not to be. That is the <laughs> but that's, that's it, right? If you were a speck of light, is the speck glowing or is it not glowing? Right? Is there still duality? Is still I am or I'm not? So that is a law that would exist whether we had something to relate to or not. Hmm. So um, a lot of physicists would look at metaphysics more philosophically, right? Because we're not really measuring the same way we would in physics, but they would use philosophy, use metaphysics in order to create new theories in physics. Okay. Um, so you know, if you, people probably heard this. Neil deGrasse Tyson is a super famous physicist, right? And he's so funny. He's so funny. <laughs> yeah. Who is it? Who is it? Neil deGrasse Tyson. He wrote a book that I just actually recommended to a friend. It's called Astrophysics for People in a Hurry. Did you read it, Jared? You recommended it. Mm-mm. Yeah. I read it twice. My brother was like, you're going to love this. And I bought it. I read it. Then I read it again. And he's very interesting. And he goes on the Joe Rogan podcast and they all have all of these like extravagant conversation about the universe and aliens and all that. And it's very, very interesting because he's so smart, but also so willing to go there. So it's very interesting. At least to me, I find it to be quite comical. He's a pretty famous one. Also, um, Dr. Michio Kaku. He's a pretty. He, he's often interviewed on on news stations and, and whatnot. Whenever there's anything scientific out there, like NASA, Dr. Um, Michio Kaku is often interviewed. Um, he considers himself a string theorist. So okay. that string theory basically relies on a, a law of vibration. Everything changes all the time. Everything's in motion. Everything is always moving. So, so these, these type of people that are, you know, high up in physics would look at mes- metaphysics as a way to develop new theory, right? It's almost using philosophy to try to break through new barriers so we can have a better understanding of, of our physical reality. It's funny because I went to, I just went to training in New York. And as Jared mentioned in the Katona philosophy, um, there is a, a certain amount of sacred geometry, but then the lead teacher was like all geometry is sacred 
And so I want to know your take on this. Like, why do we, why do we call it sacred geometry? Or is, is there something different? Like we know what geometry relates to form. And so what's the difference with it? Uh, yeah, like sacred can, I find, I grew up Catholic, right? So sacred is like, there's always fear attached in Catholicism, right? So I'm like a, sacred. I'm a recovering Catholic too, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like that, that sacred chalice and like all these things. It's like, oh, I remember my dad even when saying the whole like, you should fear God. Aren't these like, like polar opposites? Shouldn't like we be loving beings and that like, oh, it should be fearing I didn't get it, but, um, but like, yeah, like sacred, we're not trying to say religious, but sacred actually just means honored. You could even look it up. It says connected with God. Sometimes if you look up a definition of it, it's connected with God. Um, so sacred geometry, a good example that I have thought of here is, is just the, um, nature itself. Right. So like, um, we know that, you know, any geometry, think of a trunk of a tree, it's a rectangle. Right. Like think of a, anything, a flower is in a circle. Like we, we see shapes all over the place in nature. Uh, and if we think of ourselves, you know, humans as animals, and then we think of nature, right. Um, we have like a, that polar polarizing relationship, right. We inhale oxygen and then we breathe out carbon dioxide, whereas plants and trees and all of, you know, moss, whatever, they breathe in carbon dioxide and then they exhale oxygen. So you can kind of say this is like a, a yin-yang situation, a light, dark, a one-zero, a us-them, a, a perfect duality, just like that law of polarity. Um, so it's like a sacred relationship because it's connected to God. It's, it's greater than us, basically. Sacred geometry, like greater than us. Something that's, um, that's something that, Almost, almost like uh, is deserving of awe, if you will, deserving of reverence. So with sacred geometry, I think that's kind of a way to frame it. Deserving of awe, deserving of reverence, awareness that it's like, it's like greater than us just taking a pencil and drawing a triangle. It's, it's when we see it in nature on its own without our influence. Um, those elements we would capture within the sacred geometry concept. And so just to put it like kind of in a very simple linear way for my linear mind <laughs> as a very like concise person, because um, this is cool for me. It's a learning process at the same time, which is my favorite thing to do. But it's like, OK, we have these very ancient school of philosophy, which um, in which we find this idea of metaphysics, which is considering things without the theory of relating them to one another but just them standing on their own and what concept applies in that case. And then within that is the idea that this polarity, this yin and this yang is like a fundamental principle and it leads us to realize patterns and that's how geometry comes in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay. Have you ever heard of the, the Fibonacci sequence? Yeah. yeah. In uh, what's the book? Not Angel and Demons, but like the book where he's in Paris and like <laughs> The Da Vinci Code. Yes, there we go. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Good book, good book. So that that's a that's a great um yeah, way to better describe the detail of sacred geometry. So back to that polarity, right? On off. 
that little speck of light that we experienced experience before. It's a on light or it's an off light. It is existing or it's not existing. Consciousness is or consciousness isn't, right? So if we think of that as a zero and a one, zero is not existing, one is existing, right? So if we have this one, this awareness, this individual consciousness, we now have a thing, an individual. Um, we've got something from nothing to something. But if we're in this vacuum and, and there's nothing else there, uh, so we don't even have physics yet, right? Because, we, again, we need that relativity. We need something to compare it to, to measure. If it's just nothing or consciousness, sure, consciousness could grow, but then it's still just a lot of one thing. It's just, it's just still just a lot of awareness with nothing else there. There's nothing physical yet. So the only really real way for us to create physics is to have a consciousness, a one, but then to have another one. Because then there's two different individuals. And now we can say there's a line between this individual and that individual. And now if I'm moving this way, I can, I can measure acceleration. I can measure the speed. I can measure velocity. I can, I can, there's a, we, can, we can create distance. We can create math. We can create um, awareness that, that there, is, there is space between. And so one exists, and then another one exists. Mm -hmm. And then we can have those two together. And if we wanted to create something different than just one and one individual and individual, the next new thing would be those two individual in unison, a pair, right? So then we'd have an individual and a pair. We can now create multiple things. So this is kind of, the Fibonacci sequence is kind of like the, the creation pattern, if you will. Mm. So yeah, we can start um, with that individual and then that other individual, like a yin and a yang, right? We can have the black, and then we can have the white, but then there's a new thing that's created, a yin-yang pattern, right? It's a whole other thing. And each on their own wouldn't create the completed yin-yang. We need two ones. We need a black and we need a white. And now we have a new concept of pair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then it and keeps kind of building on that. Go ahead, Jared. And the Fibonacci sequence uh, for our listeners, it's often depicted almost like a spiral, right? Or like a... a it, for them to get a visual of, of it. yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Because because like you would think the next step, right? Like if we have a one and then a one, two individuals, and then those two together become a pair. Like there's a multiple roots here. In our human mind, we're going to think, okay, a popped up consciousness, a popped up consciousness, and then a third popped up consciousness. But that would not be the most efficient route. Because then you have a one and a one and a one and then a three. There's, there's so many steps there. But a one and a pair, you add those together and you have three. So you've got a one, a one, those two together is a two. And then the one and the two would create the three. Um, but if you, consciousness is wise, right? We have to think this is like the all-knowing. So it's going to be efficient. So its next step would not be to create a whole bunch of individual in, like ones and ones and ones and ones and ones and add them together. It's going to just use the same pattern we already created. So the one plus the one is a two. The one plus the two is a three. The two plus the three is a five. Three plus the five 
would be the eight. And then we get the swirling pattern, Jared, that you're describing, right? Because if each individual grows in this fashion, they would become a larger um, like multiplier, if you will. And this keeps going. If you if you draw it all the way out, right? Like if you if you keep keep growing these numbers longer and longer, the five and the eight, five and the three would be the eight, the eight and the five would be thirteen, the thirteen and the eight would be one. You know, keeps going all the way up. Twenty one plus the previous number would be thirty four. Thirty four plus previous number is fifty five. Eighty nine, two thirty three, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then it would swipe a swirl grow in this way. And we see this pattern in nature. We see it in trees. We see it in flowers. We see it in, in the shells of snails. We see it in fish. We see it in, in spider webs, just all over the place. Like life behaves in this pattern. That's cool. Cause I was like, it's fun. It's maybe a little silly for me to say this, but when I think of sacred geometry, I think of all the dudes with tattoos that are like, Oh yeah, that's secret geometry. And it's a bunch of like, triangles and like circles and things like that and I was like okay when does that come into play because we're talking about physics we're talking about like the universe and we're talking about math and patterns and things like that but ultimately when I think about geometry I think about something that I can see and I know that I've heard okay like yeah like how does that format itself and then so what I guess I'm gathering is that through the patterns of the numbers and how things repeat themselves these pattern creates something that you can observe with your eye yes yes absolutely you've probably seen like if you go tree like the low branches of the tree the leaf is bigger but then the branches above it the leaf is a little bit smaller and then the branch above that it's a little bit smaller and it, it clearly has a there's a ratio of the the leaf size as it grows up the tree so if, if we take the the pattern we just described that whole one one two one, two, three, two, three, five, three, five, eight, five, eight, thirteen, et cetera. If you take a number and divide it by its previous number, then that gets what's called the golden ratio. So the golden ratio, it gets, it's not exact. It, it becomes more precise the bigger the number gets. The more information you put into the equation, the more detailed it becomes. If you go way up to like the 377 divided by 233. You know, the, the high numbers, it gets really close, 1.618, something, 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 something. But that's the ratio of the low leaves. If you took the area of the low leaf, the one above it would be that ratio. So, so the bigger leaf is the previous leaf times that number. And that's the area, the space of the leaf. So they all grow according to math. It's not just a random thing. It's like there's equations to how plants grow. That's so what cool. I, I think what I gained from the Fibonacci sequence, and you told me, Sean, if this is correct but, or an interpretation, is like it, it it kind of implies, first of all, obviously that nature is intelligent because nature has pattern, but also everything is a fractal of everything. Like meaning like um like our ear is also it looks like our kidney and like these patterns are really fractals of everything or they just is that make sense absolutely you've seen that like i forget who it was was it was it leonardo da vinci painted that like picture of i think it was david or something like there's the circle with a human in the middle of it 
And then all these squares and circles and just showing exactly the whole human design of it. You're dead on. You can say that with your hands as well. And I wish I had this better research, but, but there is what you're saying. It's like, if you take the knuckle and you divide it by 1.618, that is the size of the next knuckle. And this knuckle times 1.618 is the size of this knuckle. And that times 1.618 is the next chunk of the bone and the next chunk of the bone and the next chunk of the bone. And we, we humans follow the same pattern that, that trees do because it's like, it's a yin yang relationship, right? So we are the, we are the yang to nature's yin. Yeah. So the same principles apply. Like you know, the ear, the, the way your face is drawn, the proportions of your torso to like the navel to it, to the rib cage um, to the neck, like our whole body uh, follows the same patterns, the same, the same golden ratio. And is this something that's like, I don't know, I guess this has been around for forever, but is this something that comes intuitively to us? Like it's like ingrained, like we, I guess it is because it's ingrained in our DNA. Like our DNA follows that pattern. So like, it's like you said, we humans follow those patterns that are also found in nature, which is pretty cool. And, you well, know, this is the, but, but this, this is why art uses this because our eye, like you just said, like we, it's in us. So we're attracted to it. Okay. So like the moment, uh, like I said, like the Leonardo da Vinci, David, something, but there's a whole bunch of paintings, even statues, Greek statues, like the Greeks knew this. And so they made their statues in perfect proportion to the golden ratio because our eyes find it appealing. Whereas the Romans tried to make similar statues and Roman statues are not famous. Greek statues are famous. The Greeks right. knew the ratio and they built their art to reflect the this golden ratio. And, and then we then look at it and think it's beautiful. And yeah. maybe, I don't know, maybe you have an answer to this or maybe you don't, but like, is there an application to this nowadays? Like maybe for you as like a human being or like how we apply this in, in our lives like now? Well, okay. So absolutely. Yes. Um, there are meditations that can be done and uh, they, they can be quite soothing because as we mentioned before, the whole, we inhale what nature exhales, nature yeah. inhales what we if they grow in this way, we can choose to align ourselves. Now, I'm not quite certain of like a, a meditation that specifically involves the Fibonacci sequence, but using shapes that are sacred. The, the three obvious ones are square, circle, and square, circle, and triangle. Um, but it keeps going, right? The pentagram, like all of these shapes that are perfect shapes. Uh, we can use visualizations and meditation with these shapes and it ends up helping us to feel calm and to feel safe internally. So, but that's inside. We can also do it outside of our body as well. So there, there is an ancient practice of people using uh, like just even gritting with your fingertips, taking your fingers in your own space. I actually do this in yoga. Guys. Like I actually like go and get the studio 30 minutes early sometimes quite often actually. I'll go into the yoga room and I'll use what I'm about to explain in the yoga room. And I, my response to it, my feeling of it is that I feel more aware of what's happening within it. If we use the sacred shapes to build a parameter around the room that I'm in, it's like I'm choosing to keep all of my awareness in this parameter. 
I don't want to think of the grocery list. I'm not going to think about the conversation tomorrow. Like I'm here now because I built this sacred geometry grid around this room. And now I am fully here for this full hour. Yeah. And I was going to, I was, I always like to give people tricks of like, cause we take it wherever we want to take the conversation, which I always think is so fascinating, but then like bringing it back to like, you know, beyond the mat, you know, and into our mundane Miami slash ocean city lives and, and saying, okay, then what? And I feel, and maybe you can both speak to it. Maybe Jerry can, Jerry, did I just call you Jerry? Call me Jerry. I will never do that again. (laughs) My brother used to tease me with that, but I just had a flashback, but it's okay. Oh, it's a pattern. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a repeated pattern. I was thinking what it could provide almost like it can appease a bit of anxiety. I think there's a there's a sense of like trust, right? In the fact that nature has a way and it always has had a way and it does this beautiful geometry and this very intelligent pattern without us really having to be involved at all. And so for people that tend to, and I know that was me for a while and I can't say that's still not fully me, but for people that may be like, oh my God, what does the future hold? And like, like can get lost in like philosophical debates, just bringing yourself back to something very simple. And even if you think about some pranayama practices that we've discussed previously, box breathing, or this idea that even the yoga practice on the mat in terms of like doing asana, which we explored ad nauseum is spherical. It's a circle. It's a pattern, right? And so these things are comforting in a way for us because now we just learned that they're within us, they're ingrained within our DNA. So it makes a lot of sense. And it also provides kind of a a certain sense of comfort to me. What do you think about it, Jerry? (laughs) Well, I think too, it does give a sense of comfort, but, and I teach this in a lot when I, when I did my nature based classes or like, like nature is a blueprint for, for us as humans, but we don't always look at it as a blueprint. And that's why people want to make assumptions that like full moon practices or new moon practices or all the equinoxes, like this isn't like just some mystical bullshit. Like this is like nature is when the full moon is is happening. It's a reminder to let go, to release, to shed. And, And when we link up with nature, it's more likely that we too can it's comforting, but also we can use it as a tool for change and living and all of those things. So that's kind of where I take a lot of it, I think, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I guess to understanding our patterns, if nature has patterns, then so do we and and working with those. But yeah, I think that's pretty good. Any closing thoughts, Jared? No, it's such a skimming the surface, Sean. Um, it's so much, but I think it is really good for listeners to hear some, you know, like the foundation of this this idea. And I love that we ended with the value of measurement, though. Because it is really life is about mediation of two things, really. So like it is kind of I like that that was a nice tie in. But yeah, we could probably do another hour or two on this topic. Or I know it's so it's so wild and it's so rich and it's so interesting. And I was going to say, if you listen to this and you're like, I didn't get it. Great. 
you know, embrace, embrace what Jared told me when I went to my Katona training and just let it be what it is. And eventually maybe it will be for you. Maybe it won't. And that's okay. But ways. Oh. Yeah. Sean, before we, uh, we let you go, would you, I'm going to put all of your reference in the show notes, but why don't you let people know what you got coming up? If they wanted to practice with you or go on a retreat, what's going on with you? I am hosting a retreat uh, this coming March 11th to 18th, so quite soon. Uh, it is in Costa Rica, the Osa Peninsula area. We are, um, it's called Creative Revival, and it's kind of just helping to spark creativity within people. But uh, I'm going to be deep diving into the chakra system and human design. Uh, but there are a few other elements that my peers, uh, Ashley Katz and Eddie Tony, are going to be contributing. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic event. Besides that, I do teach online yoga, uh, primarily movement and then more like yoga therapy, which is uh, like chair yoga and using props and alignment based. Um, My Instagram, S-E-A-N Patrick Yoga, would be a good place to contact me if you're curious about doing online classes. I do semester based. I'm actually booking spring right now. So April, May, June. Uh, It's a nine week program coming up. I do gentle fitness, yoga therapy. spine health, ache and pain management, that kind of stuff. That's more like workshop based. So every single class is a unique class. It's not like a, a modal yoga, for example, where you go to right. the same class. They're much more, much more interactive classes where we're describing the anatomy of the joints. We're actually aware of what specific movements target what muscle. And then we're better able to understand our own body and identify where the pain points are and how to actually stretch them and adjust that pain. So yeah, I, Online would be great. Uh, and then come visit in Miami. Come to I know, Miami. right? I've been trying to get Jared to come see us. He was in and out real quick on a trip, but maybe in the coming year, we'll be able to get him down here, get some sunshine. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will see you next week with our very last episode of the season. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.